Have you ever experienced a time where you've been working really hard to make a change in your behavior, but then there comes a moment in the day or maybe in the week when you just really don't want to have to think about it in the moment? It almost feels like something takes over inside of you. And it's like there's this Jekyll and Hyde moment where part of you is like, why are we eating now? We're not hungry. Are you sure you want to keep eating? And there's another part of you that's like, la, 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 not listening, fingers in my ears, be quiet so I can just enjoy some blissful peace. That's basically what happens when we fall into the trap of all or nothing thinking. And so today we're going to talk about what's going on in your brain in those moments, why that happens. Yep. Yep. It's just your brain doing what brains do and especially what to do about it and how to move forward in a way that doesn't leave you in a whole heap of shame and guilt the next day. Ready to get to it? Let's go. Do you ever feel like you know all the diet rules about eat this, but not that, and so you know what to do, but you just have a hard time actually doing it? I'm here to tell you, you are not the problem. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the Confident Body Podcast, where we talk about all the mental and emotional parts of weight loss that diets don't tell you. It's time to step past the shame and the guilt from old diets and stop feeling like you're waiting to lose weight in order to fully participate in life. If you're ready to drop the diet mindset and learn what it takes to truly feel happy and confident in your own skin, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, that feeling when part of, it's almost like a split personality. It's like part of your brain knows, I don't need this, I shouldn't want it. And the other part of your brain is like, would you just be quiet? Because I'm having it anyway, I do not care. So I've experienced this with a lot of different types of foods. But the the thing that kind of gets to me the most, it's a little difficult to admit this, but it's wine. Uh, I really like to drink wine. And I also really don't like to drink wine. And it's a struggle. Um, so when I grew up, I grew up in a family where, you know, mom and dad had a glass of wine, a cocktail at night, and you know, one or two before dinner, and then one or two during dinner. And that was just normal. Um, but I began to kind of be like, should that be normal? And so I remember going to college and was like, I am not going to drink. And then I was like, well, okay, I'll only drink on weekends. And if I have more than, you know, drinks two, two times a week or whatever, then like, maybe there's a problem. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And I had all these mental rules about what it meant. And I found myself, as some college students do, I kind of started to like to drink and it became more part of my routine. And then I also began to have this kind of growing amount of shame about like, what does this mean about me? And there was this underlying, underlying judgment of myself and it kind of, you know, I never really took the time to super sit down and address it. And it perpetuated into adulthood. And, you know, my husband was um, in the military. And so he was away a lot. And frankly, you know, when your husband's away, and you're you know, super tired after the kids have gone to bed, it's really nice to have a glass of wine. And yet, there were so many mornings when I would wake up at two in the morning or six in the morning, whatever it was, and was like, why, why, why did I do that again? And it wasn't like I was, you know, getting blitzed or anything. It was just that I had more than I felt like I should. And and that's that should, that word should. And I finally got so tired of myself. that I was like, why am I giving myself all this shame? I just was like, just tired of the shame. I was like, what if I just embrace this about myself? 
And the same thing can happen with food. And we it, it creates this kind of division within ourselves. I remember I was talking with a client recently and she has been working on um, emotional eating. And she was talking about, uh, she had a, an emotional trigger during the day and she had been on like a really good streak for a while, but this emotional trigger just like kind of something snapped. And she was like, I'm going to the store, I'm getting all the, the pastries and the chocolates and the everything. And she was describing this moment where she brought it all home and she was eating it and she wasn't even hungry for it anymore. But part of her brain was like, I am not stopping. I am not thinking. I am just eating. I do not want to feel anything. I just want to eat. And it, it can create this like division within yourself where part of you wants what's food in the moment, excuse me, wants the food in the moment or the treat or the wine. And part of you is like, this wasn't part of the plan. And um, when I went through life coaching school, I, I learned through Martha Beck, and she is amazing. She's Oprah's life coach. And she talks about this division with ourselves as like the dictator and the wild child. So if you imagine putting your two hands out in front of you, and in one hand, there's this sort of like miniature version of you that's the dictator. And so this version of you could be dressed up in like a super tight suit or like high collar or maybe even like a militaristic outfit. But like, this is the like the judge, the rule follower, the like, you will do what I say part of part of yourself. And then on the other hand, there's this miniature version of you that's like this wild child, like the, the messy kid that's, you know, playing in the dirt or, you know, has flowers in her hair, what have you, just wants what she wants. And these two different parts of yourself are both good. They both are trying to give you what you want, but they are kind of naturally uh, in conflict with each other. But then if you, again, imagine you've got your two hands out in front of you and there's a miniature version of each side of you in your hands. There's also the part of you that is looking at the two pieces of you, the two miniature versions of you. And that is like the observer, your, your true nature, where you can see both the dictator and the wild child are inherent good parts of you and both trying to do their job and neither one of them is wrong. So this is this is what kind of what happens in our brain that your your brain is trying to want what it wants and it's also trying to follow the rules that you have put on itself and on yourself in your prefrontal cortex. So going back to the brain, one thing when this happens is Know in advance that your brain does not want to work hard. Your brain is a very efficient organ, and it's also a very uh, calorie and energy expensive organ. So wherever it can delegate things where it doesn't take as much energy or wherever it can kind of save energy, it's going to do that. So your brain doesn't does not want to work harder than it needs to. Therefore, it wants to go back to its comfort zone because we're literally wired for that. Comfort, comfort zone equals safety. Change equals threat. So it's not your fault when you want to tune out on a Friday night or after 6.32 p.m. because that is what's comfortable. That is what you have known. That is what equals safety. Changing that makes your brain work hard, makes you have to endure some difficult feeling. It feels like a threat. So knowing that in advance can help you be prepared for it. And you also don't have to judge yourself for it because your brain is just being a brain. It's how you are wired. And speaking of how we're wired, we are not wired to seek happiness. We think that's what we want. But actually, our brains are programmed to seek what is familiar, to seek what they know. 
Even though we think we want happiness, our brains are actually seeking the familiar. That's the comfort zone. And so we have a natural resistance to the unknown because that is the ultimate loss of control. Even if that unknown is something that's really good for us, like feeling your feelings or eating a vegetable or not having a glass of wine on Friday night, even if that unknown is good, our brains will resist it until it becomes familiar. And your, your new self with this new behavior is unknown. You don't know who this new you could be. And so your brain resists the new you in favor of what is familiar. And so that's why it's so easy to kind of fall back into our old patterns when we're trying to, on a new diet, trying to change our behaviors. Those old patterns are familiar, whereas the new self is unfamiliar, is unknown. And the unknown is a threat. So that's what's happening in your brain when your brain is like, la, 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 I'm not listening. That's the part of you that's like, can we please just go back to the way things were? That was working. That was safe. And so this explains that Jekyll and Hyde moment in your subconscious mind, the dictator and the wild child, when you want the new thing, you want to observe your thoughts, you want to try and choose the healthier food, the, ch- the healthier habit. But there's also part of you that's trying to go back to what was familiar and what was comfortable. Your subconscious mind does not want to pay attention. Your subconscious mind wants things to be delegated to autopilot. It wants to turn off and not think. The problem is that your conscious mind is the one that you wake up with tomorrow and says, why did I do that again? This is a very predictable pattern. And you're thinking to yourself, why did I do this? What am I, an idiot I can't, that I can't see this coming? This was very predictable. Why do I keep doing this? And we end up making new promises to ourselves that we only end up breaking later. And it's so frustrating. And it's this perpetual cycle. And that is why it sometimes can feel like there are two parts of you fighting against yourself. So how do you break out of that cycle? What do you do to help you not feel that you know, wanting to turn off in the moment and just have what you want. And then in the next the next morning, your conscious mind is like, why did I do that again? So step one, make a plan. Asterisks here, very important. We're not making a plan for the sake of rules. We're making a plan for the sake of awareness. Very, very important. It's not about rules. It's about awareness. The plan is helping you be more aware. So the win, step one, is making the plan. Step two, super crucial, super important, is pay attention when you don't want to follow the plan. Normally in the past, what you've done is when you've made a plan and then when you don't want to follow the plan, you go back into that turning your brain off, I don't want to think, I don't want to be conscious, and then I'm going to wake up feeling guilty tomorrow. Here's where we deviate from that, that old path. Step one, you make the plan. Step two, get curious when you don't want to follow the plan. Know in advance that your brain does not want to work hard. It wants to go back to its comfort zone because we're literally wired for that. So the win is just being 1% more present, just allowing for that desire two minutes longer than yesterday. The win is proving to yourself you can survive an urge, even if if it was just one minute extra today, even if it's just one minute at a time. So step one, make a plan. Step two, get curious and pay attention when you don't want to follow the plan. This is about less judgment 
more acceptance. Now, now that sentence probably sounds great, but you may be thinking, how? I'm so used to judging myself. How do I just accept this part of me that I don't like? Here's how. Imagine, think, what if God was in the room with you when you're eating that chocolate, when you're having that extra glass of wine, when you're trying to avoid things and not thinking, you're just, you've got your metaphorical fingers in your ear saying, la, 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 la. What if God was in the room next to you? How would he or she or they, how would they treat you in that moment? What would God say? How would he look at you? How would he treat you? My guess is that God would love you and accept you with deep compassion and just love you and hold you for exactly as you are with your flaws because you are a creation of God. You are a piece of the divine and you are completely worthy exactly as you are. So some things to think about for the coming week, some action steps. Number one, Keep track of the moments when you were present, when you were a little bit more aware. Again, we're not keeping track of perfection. We're keeping track of awareness. That's the win. Number two, grade yourself on a curve. Give yourself as much credit as possible. Look for something positive each day that trains your brain what you want to look for, what you want to find. This is so, so important. In the brain, epinephrine is the molecule of effort. But scientists have studied that when there's too much epinephrine, there's literally something called the quitting effect. When we work hard and work hard and work hard, eventually the brain is like, I'm it, I'm out, I'm done, this is too hard. But dopamine, the molecule of like, ooh, this feels good, I want more. When dopamine is present, the brain can tolerate higher levels of epinephrine. So this is what's happening when we go on a diet and we say, I'll feel good when I lose weight. Well, we we put in effort and we put in effort and we put in effort and we're not letting ourselves feel good. And so we quit because all that epinephrine is building up and building up and there's no dopamine. And so this is the whole reason why you need to allow yourself. You need to proactively look for ways to feel good and love yourself while you lose weight. It's not just a nice fluffy thing that is nice to have. It is a must to have because when you feel good while you're losing weight, You're elevating those levels of dopamine that like, ooh, this feels good. I'm going to keep trying. That allows you to tolerate higher levels of epinephrine, the effort molecule, and that fuels your progress to keep going. So you must look for ways that you're winning, that you're making progress in tiny little ways. Like I was present for two minutes yesterday. Win! It wasn't as much as I wanted. That's okay. I made progress. Give yourself the gift looking for progress because that gives you the boost of momentum and the motivation to help you keep going. And number three, remember this phrase, imperfect consistency. You will be imperfect every single day. I promise. Imperfection. Every day. Accept it. Some days you'll make great choices. Some days you'll feel like you blew everything. It's normal. Allow yourself to do a little bit imperfectly, but do it consistently. Aim for consistent, imperfect progress. Give yourself the gift of progress. Give yourself the gift of doing it consistently and know that it's going to be imperfect and that is okay. All right. Here is your one tiny confident body action step to put into practice this week. 
Ready? What is the moment this week when you had just a little bit more awareness? You were just a little bit more present. When did you pause five seconds longer than normal and think, hey, do I actually want this food? Am I actually hungry? Even if you end up eventually eating it, just that pause is the win. So that's step one is look for that moment when you had a little bit more awareness. Step two for your action step this week is give yourself credit for the progress you're making. Allow yourself to feel good. It is a must because that feeling good is what helps you keep going and making progress towards your goal. It fuels your motivation to keep going that will eventually lead you to your goal. Consistent, imperfect progress. And if you want to learn more about this, there's an entire section in my book, You Are a Miracle, that talks about imperfect progress. If you've ever found yourself self-sabotaging or wanting food or wine against your will, then please check out my book. You can just search for You Are a Miracle on Amazon. And if there's anything in this episode that's helped you, I would love it if you would share it with a friend. Just pass this along and say, hey, I think you might think you might like this episode. It's kind of cool. Or even write a review. Sometimes your review can help somebody uh, find the episode and find the podcast, and it might just light up their life and help them shine a little brighter. And last thing, remember, love yourself imperfectly and consistently because you were handcrafted by the divine exactly as you are. Who are you to question God's creation? That's right. You're God's creation. And besides, loving yourself feels a lot better anyway. All right, that's what I got for you this week. I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening today. Seriously, I know it's not a small thing and I genuinely appreciate it and I hope it helped you. Make sure you head on over to confidentbody.coach slash tips and sign up for my seven top tips for little shifts that create big results so that you can start feeling confident in your body right now. I will see you next week. And until then, remember, you are a miracle.